Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Very much indeed, Raymond, and uh, thank you for your welcome. It's lovely to see so many here uh, this morning. And uh, I think, as some of you know, I feel very much at home here, having grown up in North Down in Hollywood, just a few miles away. And uh, we now live in Cavan, uh, which is just south of the border, uh, over towards the west. We've been there, uh, we're in our ninth year in Cavan. And uh, thank you for your reference to Scripture Union in the Republic of Ireland. Um, one of the reasons I mentioned Scripture Union in the Republic of Ireland to uh, Raymond is that my wife is one of six children, and all six came to know the Lord through the work and ministry of Scripture Union in the Republic of Ireland. They grew up in Cork. And in fact, um, the money in lieu of flowers for my mother-in-law's funeral uh, just a few days ago was being given to the work and ministry of Scripture Union in the Republic of Ireland. And Helen's brother, Baz, has been chairman of SU there for quite a few years. So we as a family owe a tremendous amount to uh, God and to the ministry of SU. I myself was converted at a Scripture Union camp. So we thank God for the ministry of SU. So thank you very much indeed. Now, if you have your Bible with you, would you please hold it? And if you do not have your Bible with you, I think there are Bibles in this Presbyterian church, are there? (laughs) Did I see them around the seats and pews? So if you don't have yours with you, just grab one nearest to you and hold it and pretend for a few moments it's yours, okay? We'll give them back afterwards, team, okay? I'd like you to repeat after me these words. This is my Bible. I believe this is the Word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Now, do you believe that? I hope you do, and I hope we do together. This is the Word of God. It's not something somebody has made up. And here are words of truth and life that have the power to change lives, transform communities, and impact the world wherever it is uh, we're serving. Now, um, as you know, in these Bible readings, we're looking at models of mission for the 21st century. And yesterday, if you were here, you will know that we looked at somebody whom most church families speak about every day of the week, somebody called Epaphras. And for some of us, it was a revelation because we really didn't know very much about Epaphras. I hope that we know a little bit more after yesterday. And we're not like the person who, going out of church one day, was asked by the preacher, well, did you understand the sermon this morning? And the reply was, well, I did until you started to clarify it. (laughs) 
and then they really became very confused. But I hope if you were here yesterday, you will understand why I believe Epaphras is a model for mission in the 21st century. And today we're looking at uh, somebody else, equally well known. Anybody, any idea where Archippus is mentioned? He's not exactly up there with Abraham and Peter and Paul and, you know, the big names. Well, he's actually mentioned in Colossians as well, but you'll have to wait a moment before we look because I want to kind of paint the backdrop to the incredible missionary movement that we read about in the New Testament, particularly in the Acts of the Apostles, because in a way this is the backdrop to what we're looking at uh, in these models of mission for the 21st century. I don't need to tell you that the Acts of the Apostles is the most exciting story of the explosion, expansion, and extension of the church of Jesus Christ. Far beyond the boundaries of Judaism, invading the world of the Gentiles, Jew, Greek, the whole world, the whole gospel was starting to impact. And it is the most exciting of stories. Frontiers were crossed. Barriers were surmounted as the church grew. We see the good news spreading from Jerusalem throughout Judea penetrating Samaria and reaching out to what in those days would be considered the uttermost parts of the earth. And how did it happen? How did the good news spread? Was it primarily through the celebrities, the big names? I suggest to you it wasn't, and I'll tell you why. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8, please. Acts chapter 8, first verse. We've just at the end of Acts chapter 7 had the story of the stoning of Stephen, one of the first martyrs of the Christian faith. And what I find fascinating is that it's after what would be considered this horrendous tragedy, the killing, the stoning of Stephen, that there is a spurt of growth in the church of Jesus Christ. Out of suffering came phenomenal blessing. And so in Acts 8, verse 1, we read these words. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Note, all were scattered except the apostles. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Can you tell me their names? No, you can't, and nor can I, because we don't know their names. But this great army of people went out scattered like Christian fertilizer wherever they went, gossiping the gospel, spreading the good news. And these are the people I call the unknowns. And I think the vital truth we need to grasp this week is that mission is about God using every single one of his children, the whole church, 
I think in the church today, particularly in the Western world, we are in real danger of reflecting the world and being obsessed with celebrity. We organize a conference. Which big name can we get? Who will attract the crowds? Celebrity. God has no time for celebrities, quite honestly. He values humility. He values the widow who throws in her might. He values the little boy with his little loaves and a couple of fishes. And he takes what they offer and he multiplies it far beyond what anyone could imagine. That's our God and that's the way he works. Of course he uses and we need to pray for them, those whom he has raised up to be well-known leaders in the church. But he wants to use us all in ministry and mission. And when the history of the church is read in heaven, we will discover, as in New Testament times, again and again and again, the mission of the church was through the unknowns. The faithful wife, the loving neighbor, the caring citizen, the member of the church who was just Barnabas on two feet, Never mentioned from the pulpit, but boy, is that church enriched by that man or that woman or that young person. Because they love Jesus, they love God, they love others, and they just get on with it. Spreading the good news wherever they go, living the good news wherever they go. And boy, do they make a difference and thank God for them. Ordinary Christian men and women doing what Jesus has called us to do and being what Jesus has called us to be. And I would suggest to you that as you read through the Acts of the Apostles and we read between the lines, most of the growth that happened in the church wasn't through actually Paul and Peter, but it was through these unknown Christians just living the life, scratching where people itched, expressing love of a different kind, a cross-shaped kind, Jesus' love and his word of truth. And I also suggest to you that nothing has changed. It's exactly the same in the 21st century. God wants to use each one of us, wherever we are, whoever we are, in his unique ministry of mission. Please, please, don't just think of the big names. Think of all those faithful men and women caring in the name of Jesus and making a difference and impacting the world. You know, we've talked for quite a few years now in the church about every member ministry, but some of us still haven't got it. I remember uh, when I started out in ordained ministry and did local church leadership, I remember, uh, this is the early 70s, asking someone in the congregation simply to read the scriptures at the front of the church. I was attacked afterwards. Somebody poked their finger into me and said, we're paying you to do that. <laughs> and I come on, where's the 
concept of the body of Christ. Where's the every member, every member ministry? The whole church is called to bring the whole gospel to the whole world. And we are all a part of that exciting, divine, invading mission. Thank God we are. That's why I believe Archippus is somebody we need to know about. We really do. But before we dive into Archippus, let me just say one more thing. In the early 1980s, something happened in my life that had a profound impact on me. Someone that I looked up to, someone who'd been quite a help to me in my student days as a Christian in university, someone whom I had the most enormous respect for, and he didn't live on this island, someone whom God had used to help so many young Christians, particularly in the student world, had a mighty, mighty moral collapse. He tragically fell in the area of sexual misbehavior as a Christian leader. He had to resign from his church. He was a broken man. And for quite a few years, he desperately tried to put together what had so tragically fallen apart. I had known him for quite a few years, and I have to tell you, I never knew, and most people didn't know, the personal struggles that he was going through and wrestling with. He struggled, he battled, but he fell once, and my goodness, how he fell. I couldn't condemn him. Instead, I wanted to try and help him. Of course, what he had done was wrong. But my heart and the hearts of many others bled for him. And we prayed for him. But I'll tell you what it taught me. It doesn't matter who you are in the body of Christ. You can fall and fall hard. And we need to pray more for each other. There's a knife edge between living a life of holiness and living a life that dishonors God. It's all too easy to have a reputation like we, that we live, like one of the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. But the reality is we're dead inside. And sometimes in the church, let's be honest about it, we're not very good at caring for the wounded, for those who fall. That's why Archippus is somebody we need to know about. Or actually more accurately, counsel that was given. Because the truth is we know very little about Archippus. And very little about his life. There are only two references to him in the New Testament. Look at Colossians chapter 4 and we'll see one of those two references. Colossians chapter 4. Verse 17. 
the Apostle Paul writes, Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I'll read it again. Tell Archippus, see that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. There's a warning there that we all need to heed. There's advice there and counsel that we all need to listen listen to. And there's a truth there that we all need to apply in each one of our hearts and lives. Because Christian mission and Christian ministry and the Christian life is about completing and finishing what we have received in the Lord. Just look at a couple of the other translations or paraphrases of that verse. I read to you from the NIV, the first one, the second one, the old authorized version, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. And then the message. And oh yes, tell Archippus, do your best in the job you received from the master. Do your very best. I wonder, is there someone here at this convention Bible reading this morning And whatever else is said this week, these words are actually God's words for you this week and for me. Because we're tempted to give up. We've been having a rough time. It hasn't been going too well. Wherever it is we're serving in the world or in our local church here in Northern Ireland. And this is God's word for us. See that you complete Fulfill, finish the ministry you have received in the Lord. Why is it so important that we complete it, we fulfill it, we finish it? Well, one of the reasons is because actually it's not primarily your ministry or mine. Our ministry is one that's been received. Isn't that what Paul said writing to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1? Why do we not lose heart? Because the ministry we have received is from the Lord. Isn't that what Paul said writing to to the Corinthians? Again and again, I, I think of those words of the Apostle Paul. Therefore, since through God's mercy... We have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Through God's mercy, goodness, grace, we have this ministry, these gifts that he has given. And so we keep going. We don't lose heart. And there are times when we're all tempted to lose heart, to give up, to opt out, to forget about it all. See that you fulfill the ministry you received. You see, the gospel isn't something that a man or a woman made up. The gospel is good news that has been received. Read Galatians. Paul is emphatic about this. This is a revelation from God. This is not of man's invention. The message has been received and the ministry is received. It's all of grace. It's all of God 
Didn't Raymond quote this morning? We love, why? Because he first loved us. So what we have is a treasure, an inheritance, a baton, a gospel baton of truth to pass on. And it's vital that we do. That's what mission's all about. Passing on what has been received. And of course, if we're to do that, if we're to complete, if we're to finish, if we're to keep going, if we're to run through the finishing tape with the cloud of witnesses cheering us on and stand before Jesus and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, then we need to keep going and we need to stay close to the Lord. Some years ago, Helen and I adopted a little kind of saying just for us as a couple and for our marriage, clean and close. Isn't that the way God wants us to be before him? Clean before him, close to him. And a husband and a wife, clean before God and close to him and to each other. That's his divine ordinance. That famous Christian preacher in Scotland and church leader Robert Murray McShane, what are probably the best known words he ever spoke or wrote? The greatest need of my people is my own personal holiness. The greatest need of my people is my own personal holiness. My walk with God, finishing, completing, fulfilling the ministry that I've received from him. Doing our best. Folks, let's be honest about it. There's some of us here this morning, and we know in our heart of hearts, we're just snoozing, boozing, and cruising at the moment. Let's be honest about it. We're just playing games. Jesus gave his best, and he calls us to give our best. The well-known president of the United States, our former president, Jimmy Carter, wrote a fascinating book. And if you haven't read it, I recommend it. It's an autobiography. And the title of the book is Why Not the Best? Why Not the Best? And in that book, Jimmy Carter describes how, as a young man, long before he was thinking of running to be president of the United States of America, he had an interview with one of the most famous admirals of the U.S. nuclear navy, an admiral called Admiral Rickover, Hyman Rickover, to be precise. He served on active duty, the admiral, until he was 83 years old. That's not bad. That's not bad. So, folks, if you're in your 70s, you're only an adolescent. Keep going. Think of Caleb, 84. Think of Admiral Rickover, 83, still going strong. And anyway, Jimmy Carter went to be personally interviewed by Admiral Rickover. Nobody looked forward to an interview with the Admiral, I can tell you. And when President Carter had his interview, the Admiral asked him what his standing was in his graduating class at the Naval Academy. And Jimmy Carter's chest swelled out and he said, Sir, I, I stood 59th in a class of 820. 59th in a class of 820. And Carter waited for the congratulations to come from the Admiral. Instead of congratulations, the Admiral asked, Carter, did you do your best? 
And Jimmy Carter was about to answer, yes, sir, until he thought about it and remembered who he was talking to. And he gulped and he said, well, no, sir, I didn't always do my best. And the Admiral just looked across the desk at Jimmy Carter. Felt like a very long time. And then he asked only one more question. Why not? Why not? And I wonder honestly, is that the question the Lord sometimes whispers into your heart and life and to mine? Why not? the best. You know, when I think of people on this island of Ireland who over the years have been willing to lay down their lives for their particular political cause, something ephemeral, temporal, that at the end of the day has no eternal significance. And they've been willing to lay down their lives for that cause. What about us followers of Jesus for the cause of the gospel and world mission? Only recently there was a threat on the life of one of our political leaders in this country and I couldn't get over his courage when I heard him interviewed on the radio and basically saw this as part of the price he had to pay for the cause he was promoting. If he had to die, so be it. Does God see that kind of courage in the church? We see it in the Acts of the Apostles. We see it in Paul the Apostle. We see it in Stephen the Martyr. We see it in brothers and sisters in Christ right across the world today. Giving their best. I wonder, does God see it in you and in me? Only the best. Isn't that what the message version of this, these words to Archippus says? Oh yes, and tell Archippus, do your best in the job you received from the master. Do your very best. Why do we not do our best at times? Why are some of us not fulfilling and completing and finishing the ministry the Lord has given us? Well, could we just explore a couple of those things for a moment? I think sometimes for some of us it's disappointment, actually, that's holding us back. Some years ago, uh, Helen and I took her parents over to England just for a short trip to see the family and to have a brief holiday because her dad wouldn't fly, you see. Never flown in his life until he went to glory. And uh, so we had to go by car ferry and, and we stopped at a garden centre on the outskirts of Nottingham to have a quick lunch one day. We were only in the place about 40 minutes, I suppose. Half an hour, 40 minutes. We came out. When I went to put the key in the driver's door, I thought, hey, this door looks as if it's been tampered with. Very quickly, I realized the car had been broken into. I went straight to the boot where all our luggage was. It was an estate car and it was covered. The only item taken out of the boot was my mobile office bag. 
with my Bible in it that I'd used for years, some personal notes, and a laptop that had several years of work and some very personal things on it. Gone. It was on local radio in Nottingham. It was in some of the papers about this bishop from Ireland losing a very important bag. Didn't make an ounce of difference. Never turned up. But do you know something that I learned out of that? That sometimes we only associate disappointment with bereavement or the loss of something through the death of someone. Disappointment's far wider than that. I cannot tell you the pain and the disappointment I felt at losing what I had lost in that bag, never to be seen again. If there are any preachers here, you'll know what I mean. All those years of work and preparation, gone. And so often I listen to Christian parents wrestling with disappointment. Their son or their daughter hasn't turned out as we hoped for or we'd prayed for. Or pastors and church leaders disappointed. The church doesn't seem to be going the way we really prayed and hoped it would. And we're giving our life to this and we just seem to be met with criticism. Disappointment. And so we kind of pulled back a bit. We don't fulfill and complete the ministry that we have received in the Lord. I wonder, is that where some of us are at this morning? Disappointment. Someone shared this with me, and I find it enormously helpful. Disappointment, his appointment. Change one letter, and I see that the thwarting of my purpose is God's better plan for me. Hallelujah. And so it is. Our God is bigger than your biggest disappointment and my biggest disappointment. Disappointment, his appointment. Change one letter and I see that the thwarting of my purpose was God's better plan for me. Do we believe Romans 8, 28? All things working together for good for those who love God. It was out of that stoning of Stephen and out of that time of persecution in the church that the church experienced this enormous growth and expansion. Someone said to me recently, when it happens to other people, we call it recession. When it happens to us, we call it depression. And we are going through stretching financial times in the British Isles and Ireland. But I wonder under God, could it be a good thing? Certainly in the Republic of Ireland where we live, people have reveled in prosperity for a couple of decades. The wealthiest Irish generation ever. And according to David McWilliams in his book, The Pope's New Children, Ireland's New Elite, the most decadent Irish generation ever. And I wonder through financial pressures, will people begin asking important questions again? And maybe when they say, oh God, it won't be as a swear word, it'll be to pray. 
Sometimes it's through disappointment that we actually come back to God and recognize our need of him and get back on track and start fulfilling again the ministry we have received from him. Then there are other things as well, aren't there? Discouragement, disillusionment, doubts, difficulties, perhaps in our marriage or family, perhaps in our health, our body, fear, exhaustion. All kinds of things can crowd into our lives that are obstacles to us fulfilling the ministry we have received in the Lord. Just recently, I was listening to a Christian leader who told me he went through a very, very difficult patch some years ago. And he said, you know, I was suffering from hardening of the arteries. Not a good phrase. I was suffering from hardening of the arteries. He said, I realized I was just actually living my ministry to be popular. That's what was motivating me, to be popular. And he said, I got to a point where I couldn't stick it anymore. He said, I thought of becoming a travel agent. Then he went and he got help and he's back on track, but with a whole new foundation to his life and a whole new motivation for the ministry God has called him into. And he wants to complete and finish the ministry he has received in the Lord. I wonder, honestly, if we're church members, you know, It's easy to criticize the leaders in the church, isn't it? Do we pray for them? Do we encourage them? When was the last time we said to maybe the pastor or minister of our church, listen, we'd love you and your wife to go out for a meal. We'll pay for it. Simple thing. Wouldn't cost very much, but I can tell you. That man could be in tears. Because he feels valued. Somebody said to me some years ago, I feel my ministry is valued, but I don't feel valued. May God forgive us. Some years ago, my wife was speaking at a women's meeting, and at the end of it, she thanked the girl who'd been running that group for eight years. And as she thanked her, she saw the tears starting to roll down the girl's cheeks. In eight years, nobody had said thank you to her. And I can tell you, we know her. She had been giving her best. Loving God, loving others. Sometimes loving others is just saying thank you. Giving a word of encouragement. And Christian mission will not happen if we're not prioritizing loving God and loving others, fulfilling the ministry that we have received in the Lord. Could I just say something very briefly about the last thing there to exhaustion? Um, I did mention, I think, on Sunday night towards the end about burning out for God. Could I just clarify in case there was a misunderstanding? I'm not saying that God wants us all physically exhausted and mentally broken. It's not what I meant. I meant we're living our lives out for God. We're seeking first his kingdom. We're wanting to finish the race. And some of us, though... We are so living, we're living in such a way that we actually need to build in what I call some Bethany's, because we're actually working too hard. 
God rested one day in seven when he created the world. Jesus practiced a Sabbath principle. Jesus had his Bethany, Martha's takeaway, Mary's tray bakes, good crack with Lazarus. Why did he love to go there? It was the best B&B in the country. He could go there and relax. Where are the places you go to relax? Some of us are working so hard. We've actually gone beyond where the Lord wants us to go. I remember a very good friend going into his church office one day, and his secretary said to him, oh, are you not taking the funeral? He said, what funeral? He'd never forgotten a funeral in his life. Within one hour, he was in hospital. Utter exhaustion. Thank God he made a wonderful recovery. When was the last time we read Paul's words to the elders from Ephesus whom he met at Miletus? He talked to those elders about watching over or guarding the flock of God, God's flock. But what did he say to them first? He said, guard yourselves. Guard yourselves and the flock that God has entrusted to your care. And part of fulfilling God's ministry that we've received is actually guarding ourselves. Or as Paul said to the young Timothy, I think it's 1 Timothy 4.16, watch your life and your doctrine closely. And some of us have got out of sync and out of balance in our life and lifestyles. And that's actually what's preventing us fulfilling the ministry we've received in the Lord. Bill Hybels, the senior pastor of Willow Creek, said one time, I was so doing the work of God that it was destroying the work of God in me. I was so doing the work of God that it was destroying the work of God in me. And you see, ministry and missions overflow. So if in my heart there isn't this love for Christ and love for God that is deep and real and growing so that my life is the overflow of that, then I'm in trouble. And I suggest to you that mission and ministry is actually overflow. It's the overflow of our personal walk with God and our love for God and our closeness to him and our intimacy with him. That's what it's all about. It is a trick of the devil which he employs to deceive good souls, to incite them to do more than they are able in order that they may no longer be able to do anything. And the devil loves to pick us out so that we drop out. So guard yourselves. And that will help us fulfill the ministry we've received in the Lord. The other reference to Archippus is just like Epaphras, actually. It's in Philemon. And you may have noticed that there actually, uh, there's a closeness between the letter to the Colossians and the words of Paul to Philemon. It's right at the beginning of Philemon. And it simply says this about Archippus, our fellow soldier, our fellow soldier. That's how he is described. Some Bible commentators think that Archippus was actually a son of Philemon, but people aren't sure. Others think he was a member of Philemon's household. Certainly, he knew Philemon very, very well. He may very well have been a son. But isn't this a wonderful picture for the Christian minister and missionary today? 
a fellow soldier. And notice it's our fellow soldier right there at the beginning of Philemon. You remember Paul's words to Timothy as well on a similar theme? Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. He wants to please his commanding officer. Our eyes are focused on our commanding officer, the Lord himself. He's the one we want to please. He's the one we're responsible to. From him we have received this ministry. To him we are accountable. If you think about it, right through the scriptures in the ministry of Jesus, we see an example of a soldier Look at what Christ suffered. Look at the hardships he endured. Look at the tough times he went through. His wounds, Gethsemane. The older I get, the more important I believe Gethsemane was in the life of Jesus. That was a battleground. That's where the battle was won in many ways. Will I? Won't I? Not my will, but thine be done. He knew what was ahead. The cost was enormous. It was going to mean his life. But for you and for me, he decided to go forward to death on the cross and to resurrection. The hand that holds ours is a wounded hand, wounded with the nails, He knows all about suffering. He knows all about pain. He knows what you and I are going through. He knows only too well. He said to us, in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We are like Archippus, fellow soldiers together in his mission. And sometimes soldiers get wounded when they're out on active service. And sometimes we will too. But God wants us to build into our lives those disciplines, those priorities that will sustain us and keep us going to the end. Do you remember the scare about bird flu a little while ago? Someone sent me an email which was about the prevention of bird flu. There's high birds prevent bird flu. They take a few practical steps to protect themselves. And sometimes you and I need to take a few practical steps to protect ourselves so that we can be the people God has called us to be. And that's why Paul said to the Ephesian elders, God, guard yourselves. That's why character is so important, folks, The Holy Spirit, the spirit of holiness is given to us to change our character so that we become more like Jesus. Charisma without character leads to catastrophe. Isn't that what we see again and again when leaders fall? There's been a character flaw. Great charisma, yes. Wonderful gifting, yes. But serious fissures and flaws in the character. Everybody thinks of changing humanity. Nobody thinks of changing themselves. I think it was D.L. Moody who said, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than anybody else. And isn't he right? I'm my biggest challenge. And I somehow suspect you are your biggest challenge. No one 
should minister who isn't being ministered to? What wise advice from Michael Green. Just as we wind up, just a couple of things. Just recently I came across this, reminding us that we're soldiers of Jesus Christ, just like Archippus. I am a soldier in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested in the fire. I am a volunteer in this army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will either retire in this army at the rapture or die in this army, but I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, I am faithful, capable, and dependable. Those are my aims. If God needs me, I will be there. If he needs me in the Sunday school to teach children, work with the youth, help adults, or just sit and learn, he can use me because I will be there. I am a soldier. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I am a soldier. I am not a wimp. I am in place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I am committed to be a soldier of the king. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I will still come out even. I will win. My God will supply all my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. I am a soldier. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me and hell cannot handle me. I am a soldier. Will you stand with me? Now sometimes soldiers fall and sometimes soldiers get wounded and when that happens we need to help each other. That's why we're part of the body of Christ. So with this I finish. Just some lessons and a final quote. God calls and uses each one of his children. Archippus is an example of that. He uses and blesses the unknowns. Archippus is an example of that. Most of us didn't know where to look for him in the scriptures. Our ministry is received. It's not invented. We didn't promote ourselves. It's his call. God calls us to fulfill and to finish. God warns us to watch and to guard. Does he have us? Tell me. Does he have us? Spiritual leadership is not won by promotion, but by many prayers and tears. It is attained by confession of sin and much heart-searching and humbling before God, by self-surrender, a courageous sacrifice of every idol, a bold, deathless, uncompromising and uncomplaining embrace of the cross, and by an eternal, unfaltering looking 
unto Jesus crucified. It is not gained by seeking great things for ourselves, but rather like Paul, by counting those things that are gained to us as loss for Christ. That is a great price, but it must be unflinchingly paid by him who would not merely be a nominal but a real spiritual leader of men. A real missionary, a real minister, a real servant of Christ, a servant or a leader whose power is recognized and felt in heaven, on earth, and in hell. May God so use you and me and so use the ministry of this convention this week that its power and impact will be recognized in heaven and on earth and in hell. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, your grace is amazing. Anything good that we have or are has been received. We thank you for adopting us into your family. We thank you for calling us to yourself. And we thank you for the ministry that each one of us has received from you. By your grace and in the power of your Holy Spirit, Help us to fulfill, to finish, to complete that ministry and to give our best. In the name of the one who gave his best, we pray. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.